Welcome to the Wandering Toward Wisdom podcast. Today, Joel and I have a short sort of ramble with a bit of review of what we covered, as well as an announcement of what is to come. Uh, we discuss evaluative outlooks briefly and talk about the role of rationality and emotion in the way that we live and think and act, noting that we are not as rational as we like to think we are. And given that we started this series talking about the podcasts of Rhett and Link, where they explain the reasons they had for turning away from their faith, we make a couple of observations about how apologetics can be influenced by a better understanding of the values that lie behind our feelings and emotions, as well as our rationality. If you have questions, complaints, or want to ask uh, for us to cover a particular topic or thinker, feel free to contact us through email, which is wondering at tacticalfaith.com.com. And that wondering, there's an underscore where the O or the A would be. Or check us out on Twitter at Wondering Wisdom. And again, an underscore where the O or A would be in Wondering. And check out the organization we're a part of, tacticalfaith.com. There you'll find blogs on related topics, Tactical Faith's other podcasts, and opportunities to be involved with us. Join us in a meeting or donate us some of your extra cash. Thanks for listening. All right, welcome back to the Wondering Toward Wisdom podcast. Joel and I are going to do a short one today, and then we're actually going to take the month of June off. We're going to be traveling the globe, giving speeches before it's sold out crowds all over the place. We need to take a little bit of time off. All of that is a lie. We plan to come back. Uh, our next podcast should be July 1st. There's a chance we may put out some maybe individual podcasts or whatever, but we're trying to we're trying to build up sort of a, a collection of them to make sure that we don't we don't miss too many. So we're just going to take a month off and try to get some some good content put together. Today, though, we're going to be looking at, uh, we're, we're going to review a little bit. Joel and I have said a lot. We've produced a lot of, we've made sort of a lot of hints toward critiques of apologetics. We even come out and talked a little, little bit about some sort of uh, critiques of how apologetics is done. And a lot of that revolved around the idea of evaluative outlooks and the claim that the way apologetics is generally done may be actually, in my opinion, maybe giving scientism or science, uh, the, the idea that science has the the best ground for, for providing us truth, might be given that idea a little bit too much credit. And that the way that we value the world, the way that we look at the world, is formed by the values that we hold in such a way that that we need to go deeper than science to really understand epistemology, to really understand how we know things and how we should go about making arguments. And that therefore the goal is not merely about trying to get people to accept certain facts, but also to trying to get people to experience, see, see is almost the wrong word, but to see the world through the kinds of values that we, that we ourselves have, and therefore to be drawn to the values that we have. So let me let me throw out a quote from a philosopher. That's not always considered. He's not always considered a philosopher, but uh, the the uh, great French mathematician Blaise Pascal says the heart has reasons for that reason cannot understand. How does that, or do you see that fitting into this whole idea of evaluative outlooks? And if so, how do you think that would fit? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, I think most of the people, I think we might be, we might be tempted to interpret that in a sort of a romantic light and to see it as passion, corrupting reason and causing people to act in stupid ways. 
which is the case <laughs> a lot of times. But I think that that does that connects very closely with this issue of evaluative outlooks or just is talking about it because for, for example, I think one of the things that shows how everybody is in fact perceiving the world through at least some element of proper evaluative outlook. The one hint that that's the case is everybody's seeking personal, some sort of personal meaningful relationship. The people who are not seeking any kind of personal relationship are either utterly lost in some way to drug addiction or something like that, or they're sociopaths. Everyone has some sense of value. Uh, even those who are full-fledged scientific reductionists, uh, like the Churchlands, you could say, they're still married, uh, Paul and Patricia Churchland. They don't, they don't seem to think that human minds are anything, uh, but they, you know, they, they still, I'm guessing, still have a relationship. Um, and so what that suggests is that, is that the heart, the heart that we have, you know, whatever the heart stands for here, but the heart is driving us to not only develop personal relationships, but it's causing us to see other people as persons, at least, at least when we're having the healthy, valuable, the healthy kind of relationships. And so we're seeing it through that kind of value. We're perceiving something that science can't quite explain to us, right? Science can say that we are that we are communal animals or something like that, but it, but whatever we have is something more. What we're seeking is more than that. I'm not seeking to be crowded together with a group of people so that I'm safe from prey and I have a better chance of reproducing. Is that a part of why I want to be in community or in relationship? Probably, but it's it's definitely not the entirety of it. And so um, now. That's part of what shows that we're perceiving something. Now, the question is, is there, are, is there reasoning from those sorts of things? Is there reasoning, for example, from the idea that there are indeed persons and not merely bodies being driven by the laws of physics, that there are in fact persons, that from that reasoning, we can develop arguments about the world? And this is part of what I was talking about with potentiality and actuality. I think I think the actual thing, actual persons, those are things that we perceive through the values of not merely the mind, but the heart as well, if we want to divide those two up in, in the way Pascal does. I I, I think, think, you know, it, it's, it does a nice job. I think that quote does a nice job of pointing out the... Um, the fact that values are pre-rational, that some values are pre-rational in that they they precede our rationality. And then we actually use them when we, like you said, when, when we use our rational thought. Um, I think oftentimes rationality is kind of seen as, as not a tool, but the end game. And um, I think Pascal does a good job of reminding or of showing what, what Travis and I have been trying to say uh, throughout this whole stretch that, uh, that, that rationality is good and rationality is important, but rationality, you can't act like that's, that is value um, independent or, or that we can use rationality without having to depend on some sort of values. And so the values you bring to rationality are going to influence where you where the rational ideas end up um I'm, I'm reading a book on i'm reading a book on this about i mean the guy tries to tries to divide it up between uh the emotions that you have and the reason that you have 
And he says, everyone wants to think that the reason is in the driver's seat, but it's not reason that's in the driver's seat. It's your emotions or the feeling part of you is how he describes it. It's the feeling. He calls it the feeling brain and the rational brain or whatever. He says, the feeling brain is what's driving. The rational brain just rationalizes the decisions that the feeling brain is making. And he refers to the feeling brain as like a, uh, like an abusive, uh, angry boyfriend who, if you tell them they're doing something wrong, they'll like, you know, jerk the wheel and drive the car off a bridge just to prove, just because they're angry, you know? And so, so the, the, the rational brain is always trying to appease the feeling brain. I'm like, well, and that's sort of a, sort of a negative way of looking at human beings, but it's, it's true. What really drives us are these values that are low, that are lower. The question is, does that mean reason is just a subjective, it's just a slave to our feelings and we'll justify whatever we already believe? I mean, that's sort of, that's usually the case, right? I do yeah. an action and my goal afterwards is not to discover whether I did, whether what I did was right or wrong, but to prove that I was right. And I will convince myself that I am. Well, the, the, that that analogy is very similar to what Jonathan Haidt uses in The Righteous Mind when he talks about the elephant and the dri- and the, the elephant driver. And he says, you know, the elephants are our emotion values, however you want to frame that, and the driver is our rationality. And there are times when the when the, the driver can steer the elephant just a little bit, but it's usually because the the elephant has some sort of inclination to go that way already or doesn't really have you know any kind of uh course that it's on that the driver can have some influence on the on the um on the elephant and similarly with our emotions um we often uh need to take advantage of the opportunities when our emotions aren't making the decisions to try to help better steer our emotions and so that we can can have the right emotions uh, to accompany the reality that is there as opposed to um, the outrage culture we live in where, um, you know, everything gives us a reason to be upset. Um, everything, you know, when something happens, uh, you know, that's our, our instant response. Um, even when we find out something happened, you know, 20 years ago, I, I actually saw something on, on Twitter today with where um, people are trying to get Jimmy Fallon canceled because of a sketch he did 20 years ago on Saturday Night Live. Um, now, you'll by the time you listen to this, you'll probably have an idea if it worked or not. But that's beside the point. Right. Um, we, we need to take... Uh, and I'm not commenting on what should happen, but what I'm saying is when our initial response is always um, to get really emotional and allow our emotions to be in the driver's seat um, and to make all the decisions and then rationalizing them afterwards, we're going to often find ourselves in um, situations that uh, cannot be consistently maintained when it might be something that uh, turns against us. If we are indeed driven largely by our emotions, by and really our emotions, like what's the difference between emotions and the values? Well, or and the values that we have. Well, emotions are the responses we have to the values that we hold. Either the value, something of value being destroyed, and so we have negative emotions, or being undermined, we have negative emotions, 
are receiving something that we that we hold value that we give value and therefore we have positive emotions and we're sort of driven is that a good way to describe that is it I, I, for the most part, for the most part, I mean, if, if for kind of a rough and ready, we don't need to get a super particular about it. But so when we talk about emotion, we're it's closely connected with values because values are not things that you hold rationally to simply have value, but you don't care about. When we talk about values, we're talking about things that in fact motivate you, not things that yeah, that's valuable, but I don't care, right? Um, I can tell my kid that the Mona Lisa is valuable. If he doesn't care anything about art, and he'll look at it and go, okay, I guess it's valuable, right? If this is the case that, that our values and the emotions that our responses to value drive us so much, then what is the role of rationality in apologetics or rational argument? I think rational argument um, at its best, and I think I've I said this um, in a recent podcast, but I think rational argument is um, an attempt to help someone see things a different way. Um, when you present a rational argument, you're saying, here's my attempt to, to hold up a lens for you to see this truth and something that isn't so, is less dependent on your personal experience than me telling my story or, or something along those lines. What you're saying is, hey, here's 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 a telescope for you to try and see what's actually out there um and that can be helpful if someone is not emotionally disposed away from uh christianity someone who who might either have some interest or is more neutral about it when they're given this rational argument when they're given this telescope they helps them that helps them see the reality of of the universe they are more apt to be like oh okay that is how things are um it's not that rationality is the you know a a good rational argument is the end of the discussion although some people treat it that way um because there have been lots of good rational arguments that have persuaded people that other people have found to be complete trash um, as far as at least any level of convincing for them. And so um, I don't think we, I think sometimes apologetics makes the mistake of making the rational arguments the ultimate goal. Um, if we just had the, had the right argument, then everyone would have to accept it. Well, that's not how humans work. People are not rational beings, are not primarily rational beings. They're, they're you know, uh, there's a growing literature of people who, who, who say this, um, you know, from James K. Smith to Esther Lightcap Meek uh, and a lot of people in between who say, you know, humans are loving beings primarily. And um, that is that does not exclude our rationality, but there's more or, or our thinking, but there's more going on than just the thought. And I think apologetics needs to really work to frame itself in a way that that gets at the human per the whole of the human person and not just the thinking part. Right. And this is not, again, a lot of people think the, the feeling and the emotion, and this is my only issue with, with this guy's division of the, the feeling and the, and the thinking brain as two, two distinct things is you assume that if you act on feeling, you're acting not on rationality. And if you act on rationality, you're acting not on feeling. 
that's not really the case. You can't really, and he does say these are both parts of the brain, so he does see a unity in them. But I think, like even when I explain to students, when I talk about rationality and Plato and the ancient thinkers, their view of rationality wasn't pure logical thought. And then you also had values that were, but that was a different thing. Their view of rationality incorporated, I mean, to, to Plato, the good is the source of all things. And to know anything and to have good rational argument, to have reason, to have reason, you must be drawn to the good. And so reason itself is drawn to the right values. And so we're not, when, you're, when we're talking about evaluative outlooks, when we're talking about all this kind of stuff, we're not saying, no, just play some, play some good music and, and say emotional things to draw them. Reason, reason has a, necess, a necessary function in, the, in human thinking and in apologetics and so on and so forth. In fact, part of it, you might even say something simple as this, showing to the person a coherent picture of the world, of the universe that includes the value of human beings, the meaning of life, uh, as well as everything from you know the nature of gravity and the origin of the universe and everything, presenting a coherent picture presents something that's sort of beautiful, like or or at least it relieves a kind of distress because when you have an incoherent picture, when you have parts that don't fit together, it causes a kind of stress. And so part of apologetics is to show that, say, atheism, for example, is is not a fully coherent picture because it keeps, it keeps trying to leave out too many parts of our lives. There's, or, or science, I say scientism, and as some people might be critical of using that term, but let's say scientism, the idea that basically if it can't be demonstrated scientifically, you shouldn't believe it. Something like that. It's a little Clifford mixed with science, scientism, whatever, WK Clifford mixed with scientism. Well, that's just, you can't even live that kind of life. It's impossible. Or if you did, you'd be a sociopath. So, when we're talking about evaluative outlooks, we're talking about a method of, of recognizing that rationality is a tool. It's not the end all be all. It is not our master. Um, there's we use right. We should use rationality to correct ourselves, to preserve virtue and so on and so forth, to try to rightly order our desires so that we might come to love rightly and so on and so forth. And if you want to look at a little bit more details on that, you can look back at our stuff on the seven deadly sins. And reason does play a role in apologetics. It's not to be left out of apologetics. It's absolutely necessary, obviously. In fact, reason is a part of the way that we communicate with other valuing thinking beings. It's through reason, mm -hmm. the formation of language and all this other kind of stuff. It's just how we do it. So apologetics shouldn't reject that, but we shouldn't be obsessed. We shouldn't think that reason is everything. And, and the evidence of this is, I mean, it just shows itself practically. Just like you said, you can make a great argument that's convincing to everybody in your church and you say it to an atheist, and they're like, that doesn't prove anything. I, I just don't buy it. Sorry, I don't buy it. And they're like, what? Well, you, you have to. It's perfectly well from the position that that you're looking at it. It makes perfect sense. They're not standing in that position. They have a different set of values, um, or a different evaluative outlook. We have a lot of shared values, but they have a different evaluative outlook, and so they don't see the argument as being sufficient. So. When we come back on July 1st, I'm, we're not sure where our next step is going to be, but some ideas that we've been thinking about is, um, or some ideas that we've been thinking about include uh, more discussions on looking at particular philosophers and th the way that evaluative outlooks play a role in their thinking and what they contribute to our understanding of evaluative outlooks, kind of what we did in our last episode with Plato. Um, given Travis's great love of Plato, we could probably do like, an episode, a weekly episode, the rest of the year, and not 
exhaust his his love of Plato. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> um, you know, we we're, we we might try to engage some of the uh, famous apologetic arguments and talk about uh, the value of those arguments, but also kind of where they they not necessarily fall short as arguments, but um, as apologetic tools. You know what? Why this might not be appropriate to to use to talk about them. Um, we we may uh, dive into some more um, some more uh, critiques of of uh, figures if they uh, of different uh, people if they come out with uh, some deconversion kind of stuff. Um, I, although I think we've we've said a lot, but you know if if someone comes and with a comes out with a deconversion story that offers some new elements, um, we'd like to engage that. Um, not you know both. Uh, critically, but also recognizing uh, what they the worthwhile things they say because I, uh, I I think the Lincoln Rent story um, gives us things that we do need to to pause and consider as Christians as to how someone how people uh, so committed uh, can can walk away from those commitments um, and then you know anything you guys want us to talk about. Uh, seriously reach out to us. Um, you know, if you know us personally, text us, email us. If you don't know us personally, send us emails, reach out to us on Twitter. Let's get to know each other. Um, you know, we, we, we want this to be not just our little soapbox that we stand on and, and make you guys listen to what we think about things, but we want this to be something that is helpful and useful to, um, people beyond our, beyond us. Um, so seriously reach out um i think this next month travis and i both hope to be posting some stuff on the website uh at tacticalfaith.com um you can uh read that stuff we may be off as travis mentioned some individual podcasts if we if we get some stuff on the website uh we may do a, a short podcast kind of explaining some things that we didn't get into in the articles um there's lots of lots of routes we could go uh we are open to them um, if you don't want to listen to 25 episodes of Plato, uh, send us ideas. And even if you do want to listen to 25 episodes of Plato, send us ideas. Our email address is wondering at tacticalfaith.com and wondering is W underscore N-D-E-R-I-N-G. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys in a month. <laughs>